Ow. You feel that? The Is that mics the are, the coldness m- of where we live right now? Uh, no, it's that the mics are hot. Mm. The producer just said the mics are hot. They're really hot. Do you feel it? You know, did it ever bother you that when you talk into this microphone that you're literally talking into a Petri dish? <laughs> On that. A little bit. Have you traveled to Wuhan lately? It's too soon. Too soon. I wash. Okay, good. You know, the Pope, they said the Pope was administering and being with folks from uh, the coronavirus. Hmm. And so now the Pope is exposed and feeling sick. So let's hear and a priest and rabbi send up some love, some prayers for all those who are uh, who are struggling with that. So th- this has nothing to do with our show today, but it is a current context that we deal with. Um, we are continuing on this podcast a four-part series uh, that we've been exploring, Rabbi, uh, for Black History Month. And uh, we've been talking about uh, post-Jim Crow in America. That's kind of been the overall theme. And we've gone and interviewed people who are, there's a priest and a rabbi in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And we and we talked to a rabbi out in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a community leader, a black historian here in our county, mm-hmm. um, in the neighboring county, to talk about his experience, what, is, what the black history is here in a post-segregationist area. And then today we're going to have a, another guest who is a also a black historian, business owner, who, and has a huge amount of history here, and mm-hmm. was actually part of the first um, class integrated class at the high school here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so to, to explore more of, of what, what is the history of the area that we serve, you and I as, a, as, 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 as clergy, and what's the true story, mm-hmm. since we're just two white guys, so we, don't, you know, we, we have a limited lens. Uh, but where's the hope? Mm-hmm. You know, today we want to see where the hope, where, 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 where's the hope in all of this? Um, and, and I think also to explore, you know, uh, are, are we any different than we were back in the 60s, or have we progressed? Have we progressed to a society of more openness, of more conversation, of more discussion, of more uh, opening our eyes to some of the uh, challenges and the um, um, stresses that happen in our, own, in our own society? And one hot word that comes up in this conversation is this idea of generational wealth. Mm-hmm. So if you are if you're limited as a race of people to ha- to be have the opportunities of generational wealth, does that still in 2020 limit your ability to move forward and have opportunities? So we're going to have uh, the, our guest today, um, Philip Harvey, is going to talk about that. So we're, were there, uh, he, you know, in our in our pre-show with him, you know, there were opportunities mm-hmm. for generational wealth uh, during segregation, and so that's a different narrative than we've heard in the past. So we're going to be continuing to learn, and we just want to be open and to be formed by this to have conversations with our neighbors we're excited to have uh philip oh hell he just arrived philip hey how are you man how you doing i'm excited man okay super excited hmm. so this is our podcast and so we're going to take we're going to about to go into this radio show and do this so we're, we're happy that you're here and we want you to tell all of your friends to go on itunes or apple Podcasts or stitcher or wherever they get their podcasts and tell them to listen to this episode and to leave a comment to go on and say, wow, that Philip guy was so good and so talented. And boy, that rabbi and priest were just so great and tell all their friends. All right. So you see, you, that, you I'm excited. that's the I'm gift you get that. for being on this on this podcast today. Look, we're in 40, 46 states and something like 30 some odd countries around the world. Yeah. You will have people in Dubai hearing your voice. How about that? So wow. shout out to all those people in Dubai. Please leave a comment, though. All right. God bless you all. We got Frank the Tank as our producer back again. Wreck and check. And let's begin. All right. So see you all. God bless you. Enjoy the podcast. Mm-hmm. 
The opinions expressed on this program are those of the program hosts and their guests and are not necessarily those of WSTU, St. Mary's Episcopal Church, and Temple Bait Hyam. Products that may be mentioned are not necessarily intended as an endorsement. Any reproduction or retransmission of this broadcast is strictly prohibited. And now, WSTU presents a priest and a rabbi. Call in with questions and comments at 220-9788, 220-WSTU. Now, here's your host. Good morning, everybody. This is Father Christian Anderson and Rabbi Matthew Durbin, a priest and a rabbi, your favorite priest and a rabbi this side of the Mississippi. I am sitting next to the best-looking rabbi this side of the Jordan River, though. Uh, rabbi Durbin, it is good to see you, brother, back on the airwaves here. You are one of the highlights of my week. Thank you. And today is a special day because we have an oldie coming back to the show, Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank, the producer, is back on the show. Thank we you. lost Miggity Mike, but we got Frank the Tank. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Good to see you. Can we get a couple sound effects throughout the show today? I'll see what I can gin up for you. You know, our 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 uh, our previous producer, uh, Miggity Mike, did not do sound effects. Ah. And then now our new producer... Um, John doesn't do sound effects. Uh-huh. So now Frank the Tank, you're 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 a right. guy. All right. All right. You just so you you you, 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 you jump in, All buddy. Right. You know, okay. you jump in. So you just had a blessing of a space and you brought in the rabbi to I bless did. to bless the flagler, right? Yes, yes. It was a marvelous event that was this past uh, Thursday. Uh it's previous week and yeah it was a wonderful experience and the rabbi was uh, stellar, did an outstanding job and and uh, it was it was and it made Channel Five news. See, there you go. Yeah. So, so for all the listeners out there, just so you know, I am that bad at my job that <laughs> the Catholic in the room would rather call the rabbi than the Episcopal <laughs> priest to bless his space. It was at eight a.m. Right. So uh, you know you may have been busy quaffing your hair. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I do spend some time quaffing my hair. I do. Do Do you use hair product or no? <laughs> you don't use hair product. Of course I do. Okay, great. I mean, we're in the age of the metrosexual. Yeah. I mean, we all use, you know, some kind of hair product. Mm. Question here for, for, for the gentleman here. Um, so my, my wife's birthday is coming up. Would you book a co-massage, you know, how you can get a couple's massage? Mm-hmm. That's the easy question, mm-hmm. but then the hard one. Then afterwards, mm-hmm. would you go get a pedicure with her as well? Why not? Why not? I would do the couple's massage, but not so much on the pedicure. Why not the pedicure? Just, I don't know. I'm not comfortable having people touch my feet. Okay, so it's yeah. not it's not like a it's not like a masculine thing, right? It's it's like oh, this is weird. Yeah, this is more or less like you're touching my feet. Now, here's a question All on right. a priest and a rabbi show. All right. During Monday Thursday of Holy Week mm-hmm. for the washing of the feet, you guys mm-hmm. do this in the Catholic Church too, right? Do you guys on Monday Thursday wash each other's feet? No. Really, that's not just an Episcopal thing, is it? I thought we got that from you. Maybe it probably at one time and. Catholic history. Okay, so yeah. if so, let's say that your priest says, let's do the washing of the feet on Thursday. Yeah. So they bring out the tub, you wash one another's feet as a sacramental way mm-hmm. of showing humility. Yeah. Would you get up and take off your shoes and socks? Yeah, I might. I, I, it'd be difficult. Yeah. 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 I like how you said socks, though, because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Father Anderson doesn't wear socks. So, um, yeah, he's socks. Well, know. because we don't wear socks as priests because Jesus didn't wear socks. Is that it? So it's not part of... 
our mo. So let me let, let me go back to the couples massage because I think I think I, I think it's actually really cool. Uh, I do. Our guest right now is figuring uh, out like what the heck is going on in this show. Um, uh, years ago, when I was in when I was in rabbinical school and I was in Jerusalem, my uh, my 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 then uh, girlfriend, now my wife, um, hey on Valentine's Day, hey gave me um, shout out to Rose. a couples massage, which was which was awesome. Okay, um, and it was they uh, those... administered the couples massage or they bought you the couples massage. No, no, she bought couples massage, but she wasn't the one who administered the couples massage. No, because that'd no. be strange. So, so um, for those that have ever been to Jerusalem on King David Street, you have um, uh, uh, two uh, very major hotels. One, the King David Hotel, which obviously has a long um, seated history and uh, um, lots of challenges with it. Uh, and then you have just down the street um, the David Citadel Hotel, which is gorgeous, beautiful. So I, um, my wife had said, uh, "Look, I, I got this couple's massage. Are you are you okay with it? You know." And I said, "Well, which hotel is it?" And she said, "That one." And my heart just melted. I was like, "Wow!" I mean, it was just—it it, was—it was—it was awesome. So we got this couple's massage, and it was—it was—it was really neat. We didn't do the pedicure though, but um, it, it, it was something that um, I, I, I highly encourage it. it okay, it's cool. It's a lot of fun. It's okay, a lot cool. Of fun. So my, my wife's birthday is coming up, and she's eight months pregnant. So I couldn't do the surprise thing. I really like to surprise my wife with whatever it is—anniversary, Valentine's Day stuff. But uh, you know, now she's eight months pregnant. I can't just do something because I don't know how she's going to respond. You know, maybe she's like, I don't want to drive that far, or whatever. So originally, I found two tickets on her birthday to yeah. see. Wait for it. Wait for it. Hamilton. Okay. Hamilton. They had two tickets available somehow off yeah. the box office, which means it's the cheapest you can get. If you try to get on the street, f- mm. forget about it. Mm. So we were going to go, and it's down in Miami, which means it, the show's at 8. You get down at 11.45, midnight. So you're driving a pregnant woman home at midnight. means we get home at 2. We saw Hamilton back in the day, and she is gaga over Hamilton. All right. She, she, this is how pregnant she is. She said, no way. Yeah. Uh-uh. I am not coming not home com- that late. No way. I'm going to be too tired to get, sit get for three hours. Down, get a room down south. Well, yeah, but then we got to work the next day. Uh, but the amazing thing is that anyone that knows your wife, I mean, you can hear her saying that. No way. <laughs> no way, Christian. Just put on the soundtrack. That's all we need. So we're going to go see Miss Saigon instead in West Palm. All right. <laughs> so I'm trying to get her more and more into Broadway. So in any event, so speaking of Broadway, uh, I have right, no transition. So I pulled up a, a sound effect. See, guys. This is why you come to a priest and a rabbi. We have a guest who's waiting in the wings right now who's w- w- probably just wondering, why did I accept this call from Father Anderson to come onto this show? Because our intro here has nothing to do with what we're about to talk about, which is fine because you know we're an eclectic show here. We have a priest and a rabbi. We cover it all. We cover it all from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Revelation, uh, Rabbi, is a book in the New Testament, and it's the last book— in the New Testament, uh, see, you know, we, we just stop at uh, the end of Chronicles. So. Right, right. Uh, so you don't, you don't, but you don't go. <laughs> do Jews? Do any Jews go past Chronicles? Because in our Bible, the Old Testament is a little longer. Hmm. No. Mm-mm. Okay, and, th- and then if you go to Frank the Tank's Bible and my Bible, we actually have even more added to it, yeah. which I'm not sure if Philip's Bible has too, because most Protestant Bibles won't have this thing called the Apocrypha. So, you know, there, there's just, you know, then, then you get into, you know, Tobit and um, um, 
you know. Some, I mean, we have the apocryphal works. It's just not canonized within our Bible. Gotcha. All right. That, 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 that's a podcast we did a while ago. So just go look that up and leave a comment. Um, so listen, if you just tuned in and you're like, what is this goofy show that I'm listening to this morning? This is a priest and a rabbi. Uh, the first question of the day is, would you go get a pedicure with your wife or your girlfriend or significant other? Uh, the phone number here is 772-220-9788. Would you get a pedicure with your significant other? Massage? Probably. Pedicure? Um, don't know. So uh, without, so, so t- you know, the last four weeks, Frank, the tank, you haven't been here. The rabbi and I have been doing a series of shows, a four part series uh, in the spirit of Black History Month, really focusing on what what does post Jim Crow America look like? Right. And so we've been just gathering and say, okay, so we, we talked about what was Jim Crow. How did Jim Crow affect our communities? How did we move forward from our, from, from that? Um, is there still structural racism that we see because of Jim Crow? Are we better off? So we've had a variety of different guests talking about that. We had priests and rabbis from different cities to talk about how they are dealing with it in, in places like Baltimore and places like, uh, um, where else? Philadelphia, you know, pretty some pretty racially divided cities. So we want to always look at our local community and how we are doing since we are in a post segregationist area. And so just be to be honest storytellers, as we are as clergy folks, to be learning the stories and knowing the stories of the people we serve. We want to learn more about that. So last last week, we had a gentleman who is a black historian who uh, talked about Hope Sound and the history of, uh, of uh, the black history of Hope Sound. Uh, this week, we are going to bring on a guest who is also a historian, a historian of folks on uh, the black history of Martin County, but has also lived in Stewart for quite some time. Knows East Stewart extremely well. East Stewart is the area here in Florida. If you're tuning in from somewhere else on our podcast, um, there was a kind of an imaginary but intentional dividing line uh, during segregation. Um, he's shaking his head no, so he might disagree with me. So this is going to be good. This is good for the show. And uh, so now we have East Stewart which is more of, of a black community. And so uh, um, we are going to bring on Mr. Philip Harvey. He already has a name here. We call him Filippo, El Filippo, El Filippo Harvey. And uh, he is a business owner. Um, you can see his name all over the place when you drive through Stewart and you see Harvey Plaza. That's the man, the myth, the legend, Philip Harvey, the man who regretted coming on the show the minute we start talking about pedicures. Welcome to A Priest and a Rabbi. Thank you. I am totally excited now. I am ready. He's ready to roll. We warmed I'm him up. ready. The first thing that Philip Harvey did when he came into our office the other day when he met with uh, the priest and the rabbi, um, <clears throat> he showed up with the Treasure Coast Black Heritage book, mm-hmm. which already he just totally like shattered this narrative that I've been hearing from folks, from white and black folks, that there is no printed history of, of, of African-Americans or just blacks in Stewart or tre- the Treasure Coast. Oh. That is not true. Not true. Not. I am looking at a very nice book, not some like thing that was thrown together. This is a nice book that, is, that, that can be a beautiful gift for anyone that really, I was reading through this last night, it, it doesn't miss a beat on really working our way through the black history of Treasure Coast, uh, the good and the bad. Uh, and so there's a lot of, 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 of it's just a, a great book is by um, Annie Jackson, Audra Moore, Dr. Hudson, Susan Cohen. 
And if you get to know and you call in and you can tell us if you would take a pedicure, you might be able to get a free book from Filippo Harvey um, from, from this. So, uh, I mean, I, I think the, the, the biggest pressing question that we're all facing is um, what kind of coffee do you take in the morning? Because your energy is explosive. Well, because Philip is here. And and Philip is he he was a tough get man. I mean, we had to go to a lot of different leaders in the community, and they said. And when I call Philip, okay, and then I'm going to shut up, Philip, and finally let you talk. When I call Philip and I said, "Listen, man, can you meet with the rabbi and I? We want to do this thing. We want to talk about the Black history of Stewart." Uh, and he said, "Listen, I got to meet with you in person because I want to see the expressions on your face and I want to know if you're real." That's. That's who our guest is. So, Philip, can you please tell our community just your history here in Stewart and, and why you're the man to talk about the history, and particularly the black history of Stewart? Well, Stewart is the most well-kept secret in the country. I learned that I was living in the most exciting community in the 70s when Willis Scott, today's show, acknowledged the fact that Stewart was the most well-kept secret in the country, and it blew my mind. Here it is, a celebrity mentioning my hometown, Stewart, Florida, and I live here, and I was exposed to living in the most well-kept secret in the country. Who's who in America lives here? We're living here. Ten or more presidents frequent the area. I grew up here. I went through integration, and I had fun. I enjoyed living here in Martin County. The exposure was great. And uh, if I can, I'll tell some of the well-kept secrets in this community. A lot of people don't like talking about it. But it's been a joyful moment living here. Now, you yourself, you're a business owner? Yes, I am. So when you drive through Stewart, you will see something called Harvey Plaza. What is Harvey Plaza? And I'm assuming that's named after you. Uh, yes, uh, I, in this, growing up here in Martin County, I always wanted to make a difference. And, uh, we had businesses on both sides of the track. I mean, uh, we could go to the white community, purchase, uh, buy goods. And in the black community, you could purchase and buy goods. Uh, and as integration came about, uh, changes came about and, uh, so I always wanted to be a businessman. It, it, uh, you could talk to people. You can gather information from people, but you could also serve, serve them. And so uh, that was my moment of life, and I, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be somebody who could make a difference. Now, before you were a businessman, before you decided to buy and, and start your own business, what were you doing before that? Uh, I was uh, an employee. I worked with the city of Stewart. I, I, I wanted to know the history of and how things function around here. I, you know, in order to have a business, you got to know how you got to know what people wanted in life. And uh, so I, I learned and by talking to other businesses, both black as well as white, you make people lives different. And uh that's what I want. I, I'm, I'm probably getting a little confused now because I'm excited to be on this radio station. We're, but, we're more excited. 
Especially but, the rabbi and Frank the Tank. Okay. I'm okay excited. But I, but I went to school here, and I, I enjoyed the high school system. Uh, that That's really changed my life a lot. We got a chance to see how both uh, races uh, function around this community. And my first experience in high school was uh, we first went to Stewart uh, training school, Stewart High School, we made a difference. Now that was the, integrated when you went? That, yes. We were the first group of kids to integrate in Martin County. Okay, so, so let's, let's, let's tell us about that. What was that like, that first, that first day, that first year? That's, that's, was it weird? Was it tension? Was it fun? What, what was it like? It, were it you was fearful? exciting getting a chance to meet some of the, the white students that – Went to the same. Went to that school. We knew each other. We used to play sandlot sports, from football to basketball to baseball. So we kind of knew each other. But when we got in those classrooms, and and on that campus, they realized we were all the same. Okay. We were students, and we wanted to make a difference. And athletics changed this our whole concept of everything around here in, in Stewart. Mm-hmm. We took a, 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 a school that was not well known to a powerhouse. You're talking about, about Stewart High? You're talking about from Stewart, Martin County High? No, yeah, Martin County, Stewart, Stewart High School to Martin County High School. Mm-hmm. And uh, we created a, a winning program. So before St- they were kind of a joke, and then once yeah. it integrated, now you guys became... Some serious contenders. Some uh, very serious in both sports, football as well as basketball. And I'm assuming since you both then integrated, that also allowed for more resources, and all more resources led to more funding. Yes, because now you got more people showing up. We got more people. Uh, we went from uh, uh, Stewart Training, Stewart High School, to an audience of two to maybe 200 people coming to a game, to an audience of. Uh, 1,500, 2,000. Right, right. And economically, that makes a big difference. So, yeah, so when, you know, the rabbi and I talk about this, you know, since the state of religion is in, a, in America is in a place where you do see, I don't know about, you see this with temples, but there's churches that have to combine because mm-hmm. they just don't have the resources anymore. And then they come together, and sometimes it could be a beautiful mixture and, and the Holy Spirit is present. Other times, though, there's just some weird tension and we just don't really get along that well on a Sunday. But what I'm hearing from you is you had two schools, uh, a white school and a black school in the same community coming together, and it sounded like this went over pretty swimmingly. Or were there also some 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 there were it didn't go without a glitch though. There were some glitches, but uh, during my time, uh, we had fun. The the student body jailed together. No and racial we, tension. Maybe one or two, not much. We had a winning program of students that wanted to make a difference. Blacks learned that whites were okay and and we could do things together we could sit down and talk and solve a problem and uh that made a big difference and uh when you got a in sports and athletics a team consists of the players all the players and we jail together we went out to win together not separately together and we learned that you have certain capabilities, and I have certain capabilities, and we learn how to work, make that work together 
and to become one. And we, my experience, we had a winning program. Right. Sports are, are, are a great way to just break down sometimes racial barriers right. in a community. Or if you've never, I mean, I went to a boarding school where I grew up in a white community, went to a boarding school. Now we had a pretty diverse community at the boarding school and it was the first time living. I mean, we were all living together in the same place, so that helped. But, um, but just playing sports together, you, you have a common goal. You want to defeat the opponent and you want to be good together and you need to depend upon one another. So after a while, you don't, you don't care what, what the color yeah. is, but then you learn from one another and you become this team. You're unified. I think it's the unification, but it's also just that, that, that sheer sense of pride that you're doing something there together that, right. that benefits um, everyone else. You know, I'm just curious to, to, to um, just delve a little bit deeper into, you know, that whole <clears throat> understanding that we say in terms of Martin County or even Stewart being, you know, America's best kept secret. What does that mean? I mean, for you, what, what, what is for the area that we live, we work, we play, we love, what is Martin County's best? best kept secret we got a combination of everything we got a good environment we got recreational opportunities and we got great people here and we communicate uh, there were problem solved we we had experiences uh, that nobody else had we had uh, back in the 60s 70s 50s we had our own Florida lottery and that's the most well-kept secret now. We had a Florida lottery that nobody didn't like and, and uh, called a Bolita. Uh, and that was a game where people invested and all people invested, that little 10 cent. And we won. We had a way of earning additional monies. And now the state of Florida, now we have a lottery system. But we were exposed to that in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Uh, fishing, like we, you, we have uh, uh, the fishing industry. Sailfish was, capital of the world. Yes. Uh, we are living here, food. Out west, we, you could grow anything. And it was just, just a nice place to live. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever lived anywhere else? Yes. And where, where else have you lived? Uh, Miami, I've been in Georgia, but uh, I can't be, I have to be around the water. Me, personally, right. I got to be around the water. I can't go inland, and it's, it's a, I just can't function, so I got to be around the water. All right, so we had Lloyd-Jones on last week, and so when Lloyd-Jones was talking about the history, and uh, he, he did express and talk about how the, there is living in a post-segregationist area, that there are still, that his take was that, and if you haven't heard, you can just hear the podcast and go on iTunes and listen to his, his interview, that in some ways, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rabbi, we have not, we're not better than what we were before from a racial harmony perspective, that things are not better today in 2020 then let's say they were in the 60s or 70s, that we still have some issues with redlining, that we still have issues with uh, um, of, 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 a, of a structure that is still still grounded in the ideas from Jim Crow and not allowing uh, equality and equal justice and for people to move forward, including generational wealth, which I know we're going to talk about in the show. So do you agree with that? But it's interesting because you also had mentioned before, previously, that there may be some in our communities that say, well, racism or discrimination doesn't really exist anymore. And, and, and you know... I, I Which are usually white. Yes. 
But and I spent a lot of time thinking about that, and a part of me says, for those that use that opinion, are you fully aware? Have you opened your eyes enough to be able to see that it's not the case? Are we are are we better today in 2020 than we were back in the 1960s, or even even previously before then? And 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 a part of me that I think we 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 have transitioned i think that we in some semblance are a little bit better than where we were but i think it's like that 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 adage that says one step forward two steps behind sure are we are we any better now living in a more in a more open and a more um conversive society or are we still guarded in some way and i think we still are guarded so to the gentleman to my who who has lived here his lifetime and so, again, we had a gentleman who has lived here for quite some time last week, um, African-American, who said that things are not better. What's your take on Lloyd-Jones's take that, that things are, are not better? Do you feel the same way? Because you here just in the last 10, 15 minutes, you seem pretty optimistic and that uh, about the, the past and the, our, current, the, our current status as a community here in Stewart from a racial perspective. Well, to be honest, I don't accept the word that can't mm. no mm-hmm. i don't accept that word i don't believe in that if one man if a man can do something that means i can do the same thing okay that's the way i was brought up out through my family uh i was never told no if 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 it i was told that then you got to tell me why and then I got to know what are the things that are stopping me from doing what I want to do. Okay. So knowledge is power. So I go get the information and find out, and then I make a difference. That's me personally. You can't, if my mind is set up, I, I'm going to do what I want to do, but I'm going to get all the facts, everything that I need to accomplish my goal. And that no is kicked out. That's me, persistence. I, I, you cannot tell me I can't do a thing. That's been all my life. Uh, I went to high school. I played a position in, 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 in sports. I was a quarterback. A black man as a quarterback? Oh, no, you can't. A black boy or whatever you want to call me back then in high school. You telling me no? No, I'm just as good as this guy. And I made a difference. But I did what I had to do. To perform, to to get that position, was, I worked was, for, for for you the acceptance of being a quarterback, given given your your experience. I mean, was it was it um, was there pushback to it? Was there resistance? Was there just uh, unity that came together? What was that like for you? Again, as an athlete, you're, you're a team. You're, I could perform the same task as this other person can. But if I could do it better and we go win, put me on the field. But was there a time where the, a coach or someone said, eh, you could tell that you were about to be passed up just because people weren't accepting yet of a black man being the leader of the team of being a quarterback? And you had to just keep on fighting and fighting and said, no, kept, I'm better. Yeah, I kept fighting. I didn't, you know, if you, we needed to do something to win, like I said, everybody knew everybody's position, what everybody could do. If he could do it better, Put him on the field. And that's what I believe in. And I made my fellow players understand that. 
We're here to win together. If a man can do something better than another man with confidence, let him go forth and make that difference. Do you think we as a community, though, here in Stewart, when you're talking about just overall race relations, are we are we still struggling to see each other as equal yes. being children of God? Yes. And do you think that some of the inequality comes out of the history that we have in this country and the structures that were done during Jim Crow? Correct. Because some people don't see the same vision as you see. And you got to make them understand. What you see is totally different from what I see. I have to deal, at, deal with that in the business world. I want to do certain things. I've had the opportunity to work in, with the city of Stewart and, and saw how it was growing in, in the uh, late 70s and how we made a difference at, at 10th Street Recreational Facility. Now, and you, when you say that, how, we, we made a difference, what does that mean? Uh, the community trying to get the uh, city hall, local government to understand that's your future over here. Kids playing and the, the white recreational facility was on the river, on the river. Uh, kids can't go out there and play it because you got to deal with hazard, water. Kids run, fall in the water, this and that. But you got a 10 acres or more over on 10th Street that you can develop uh, softball fields, you can develop football fields, you can develop soccer fields, and look what is established now. Look what's over there now. So when I hear from you, and, and we're about to take a break here, so I want to go deeper into the, the second part. You, you, are a kind of, you are a person who, who sees opportunity. You, instead of yes. when someone, someone says no or there's a wall that you hit, you don't go to despair or you don't go to frustration. You say, okay, where is the opportunity for growth here? So we got this Greg Center over here that's hazardous, and then we got black kids over here or in this community, and we need – this would be really good for the community. So instead of saying, we need a rec center, you're saying, here's a great opportunity. You got all this open acreage for the kids to have a safe place to do sports. We know the power of sports to form leadership and 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 team quality. So uh, uh, let's dig deeper into the second half of the show. We're going to go into this idea of of, of building generational wealth because you are a person who is a business owner, and some people would say that it could be challenging at times um, as a Black American to purchase land or to buy, uh, to, to be a business owner, to build a business and to develop and to buy, buy housing, to build that generational wealth. That is one, one uh, part of post Jim Crow is that you're seeing this lack of generational wealth within the black community. So let's go deeper into that. Your thoughts on that uh, and, and where we see that here in 2020, if that's still an issue of building generational wealth, particularly within the black community and does, does our structures today inhibit that or promote that? So we'll We'll be right back here on A Priest and a Rabbi. You're listening to A Priest and a Rabbi podcast. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe. And please leave a rating and a review, five-star rating and a positive review if you can. We certainly appreciate it. That is the best way to make sure that others out there just like you can find this podcast. If you want to get in contact with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin, you can do so by emailing a priest and a rabbi at gmail.com. And the absolute best way to get a hold of the fellas is to call into the radio show. This podcast airs live on the radio every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. 
on WSTU 1450. And you can listen live online at WSTU1450.com. And if you want to join the show, you can call in to 772-220-9788. That's 772-220-WSTU. Hey, everyone. This is Father Christian here on A Priest and a Rabbi. So happy for you to be here on this podcast with us. And and I want to uh, let you know that I have uh, started a uh, YouTube channel called Your Favorite Christian. And you can check it out on YouTube. And uh, every Monday, I drop a new episode. And it's always through the lens of faith, but taking on different topics such as dating, relationships, marriage, pop culture. Uh, I've done one recently where I went out to the art show and talked about how do we find our relationship with God through all the what all the latest artists are doing. Um, last week was what do women really want um, in a man uh, and interviewing different people to be a part of that. So uh, please check that out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, uh, put on the notifications so you get that every Monday. Um, I also want to let you know of uh, we this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a generous donor from St. Mary's Episcopal Church who wishes to remain anonymous. All he asked, though, was that um, the information gets out that St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart has a healing center. And so you can call if you're looking for a counselor or someone to be there for you during a challenging time. And you can call the church at 772-287-3244. We also have a group of Stephen ministers who have been trained over over 50 hours of training to be with you and walk with you during a time of crisis. They are not counselors. They are trained just to be more of the presence um, of, of Christ or and, and walk with you during a time of crisis, whether it's a, a good crisis of having, oh my gosh, my daughter's about to get married, or if there's something a little bit heavier. So give us a call, 772-287-3244, and I thank that anonymous donor who uh, makes this all possible. All right, God bless you, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Welcome back to A Priest and a Rabbi. We are continuing the fourth part of our series, part four of four. We're talking about post-Jim Crow in America, particularly here in southeast Florida. And uh, this is in, in celebration of Black History Month. The rabbi and I have been bringing on a variety of guests to talk about everything from, from post-Jim Crow America to also uh, examining what are the structures today that still could be a, uh, a layover from um, from Jim Crow. And then today, though, we also want to talk about the hope and the opportunity that that's, that's before us. And so our guest today is Philip Harvey, a.k.a. Filippo Harvey, and he has uh, come onto the show and we... In the first half, you know, we talked about his experience of being here in Stewart, Florida, which is great because it's it's different from what we've heard from other guests. Uh, as as a as a young black man growing up, uh, one of the used part of the first class to be integrated at the high school here. So, Philip, a big piece of what we talk about and from post Jim Crow is this: uh, Jim Crow did not allow for black Americans to start building generational wealth. So the American dream was stifled for them as opposed to, let's say, their white counterpart who could buy homes, who could go to colleges. I mean, you could buy homes and colleges as a black person in the, in the, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, but it only could be in a black zone or, or, or historically a black college or university. So if, uh, if, if you were not given those same opportunities, then the, 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 
the development of, of generational wealth will be limited. Buying homes, investing in stocks, selling that home, sending your kid to college, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, what is your take on that as 2020? Do you see that there is still this big gap for black Americans, and particularly in our community, uh, of, of really having a good sense of generational wealth, of building generational wealth, um, of having a knowledge of how to build generational wealth? Yes. Uh, right now, today, uh, the educational system does not teach certain things, civics, uh, uh, certain math that deals with everyday life. Uh, so that has been taken away. Before integration, there was segregation. Blacks had their own homes, building their own com community, invested in their own community. So they knew a little bit about generational wealth planning a future, buying land, buying a land for other family members. Integration came about, all that change, that, that, that motivation, that pride of being a homeowner and all that, that kind of change. The federal government came in. It changed a lot of things. And uh, Now, why so, did it change? Because what you the first part of it you said sounded good. So during yeah. segregation, you're segregation, saying segregation. It was all about your community making a difference. We had our own little small mom and pop businesses that learned about that that uh, empowered uh, uh, ec economics, learning how to use money the right way, how to buy things, how to buy things for the community, invest into your community, baseball, sports, how baseball made a difference in. Your, uh, our communities and people were buying homes and people were buying homes and trying to uh bring more people into your community they invested they had entertainment they had social events they had all that they went their kids went to college they learned about uh they went to college they learned about professional skills from business to uh, uh medical to whatever so and you so you're you're hitting the hallmarks of generational wealth you're sending kids to college you're buying you homes Right, so you're invested. You have you have wealth. You're investing in. So then, what? So how does that and you change? You have to have knowledge of wealth. How okay. to earn? How to uh, was that knowledge there? Yes, it was there. It was all set up in the community. People who went to college, they came back and told us about various things. There were people who graduated from college who made a difference, who earned jobs. And one one of the most things that inspired me to find out about uh, 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 Jack White. Uh, Jack White, uh, I'm kind of lost for words now. Uh, Jack White was a, in the medical field. Uh, I can't think of his name now. The man who invented plasma. I'm sorry for going blank. Joe uh, Plasma. No, no, it wasn't Joe Plasma. <laughs> oh, man. And I'm, I'm sorry I'm, I'm lost, but Jack White was from Martin County. He went to school here. I'm assuming Jack White Charles wasn't Drew. White. Charles Drew. Charles Drew. I'm okay. sorry. The plasma, who uh, helped uh, invent plasma, the technique of using plasma in the medical field. Wars were going on, and we had to learn about various things like had to, for saving a soldier's life, the blood. Right. But Jack White participated with the, uh, and, and uh, learned, invented that, that procedure. And I'm sorry for no this mind going blank on, on this is great. I'm, I'm, I'm but I'm he gonna... was from Stewart, Florida, and that motivated me 
Because now you know somebody who made a difference in a, the world. A black American. A black American. From, from Stewart. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this question. So this all sounds good. Now, did anything change during integration? Like you're saying, now, before it sounded like there was a shift. Integration shift. came about the history, civics, all the things that you needed to plan a future in your life, uh, in your, for your future, ed- getting educated, motivated to go to college. All of the, the steps that you need to go to college, to advance your education so you can go out there and become a professional with a professional education and come back and, and, and get involved in your community. That was that change. So why did that change? Change for the better or change for the worse? Change for the worse. Why did that change? Why, why did it change for the worse? Because the educational system changed. There, there was a new way of educating people. Algebra, for example. Algebra. A lot of kids, when they brought about that algebra thing, a lot, lot of people did not understand algebra. But if you want to build a house, what math are you going to use? Algebra. But you got to learn how it affects your life. Okay, so if we're you don't we're, know we're, how to do square footage. We're on the we're on the uh, we're on the radio right now. If you're just tuning in with Philip Harvey, Philip Harvey, and uh, the number here is seven seven two 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 zero nine seven eight eight. So Philip Harvey's taking on this thing. What yeah, changed during integration? So the name of the show is you know the, the economics of, integ- of of integration. So Philip is making an interesting point here, and I, I encourage you to call in if you have a take on the seven seven two 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 zero nine seven eight eight. That actually integration, you're saying, might have hurt. And the development of, of black Americans to understand better generational wealth and, and having that knowledge of what it means because they weren't so self-sustained. They weren't like in a community before. Tell me if I'm, I'm trying to reflect this back to you. Okay. If you were segregated, you had a self-contained neighborhood where you really had to take care of each other, get the education. You had a mentor. You learned about wealth. You learned about buying. You went to a historically back black college. Then integration happens. The walls fall down. And then it and then you say it might have hurt that development and that yes. knowledge base. By the way, we just had a caller who said it was Charles Drew. Drew. Charles yes. Drew. Thank you, whoever called in. God bless you. Uh, the rabbi sends you love. Okay, so go ahead. So, so it's a- Exposure is, is very important. So uh, like I said, uh, education, kids going off to college, this and that, and, and bringing back professionals back into your community, you, you are exposed to many different things. You learn that he made it in life, and you, in turn, can make it in life. Okay. So if you don't have that professionals coming back into your community, we stopped, uh, edu- uh, integration came about. We did not receive any more educators. The number of black educators declined. Because they, pers- oh, because why is that? They, because they couldn't get the job in the school system. The school system didn't want to hire. They did not go out and recruit black educators. Well, before a black educator could find a job easily at a black school. Yes. Because, but now since all the schools are integrated, there was mostly white teachers? Yes. You have to go out and recruit from black colleges. There were not many black students going to Division I schools or the white schools. They were going to predominantly black colleges. Florida A&M, Bethune-Cookman. So you saw a, a a little bit of a a decline of a black in, flight almost yes. 
Yes. As opposed to all the great black minds all being together in one area because during segregation, I think here you showed us yesterday that it was zone seven. That was the only place here in Martin County that blacks could buy uh, property and set up businesses. So well, not of- the only place. That was one particular area in the city of Stewart. Okay. But we had other areas. We had Indian Town. We had Hope Sound. We had Jensen, Jensen, Tick Ridge. And uh, you don't know about that. I you, don't know, and I don't want to know about ticks. Yes, <laughs> don't. I've a couple parishioners struggling with. But that's that's Lyme that's disease. the most. Uh, everybody wants to live there now. That's on by the Savannah River. But that used to be uh, a zoned out just for 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 blacks to purchase. Yes. Okay. But also incredible to to <clears throat> when we had met the other day in terms of how many businesses were actually uh, demarked and 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 used as opposed to today, which is much smaller in number. You said East yeah. Stewart had sixty seven businesses. <clears throat> yes. 67 businesses. Yes. So right now, we I have think you commercial... can count it on one hand how many businesses there are in East Stewart. <laughs> Correct. Right. You know, we, we Two had, hands. Two our hands. community was zoned correctly. We had a commercial area and we had residential area. Hope Sound has a commercial area and a residential area. Uh, Indian Town. We all had that. My forefathers, the people who came here, before, you know, in the 20s, uh, there were blacks here in the 20s. Stewart, East, well, the area of Booker Park, uh, 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 that community of East Stewart was, uh, um, what do you call it? Oh, God, I'm lost for words again. Uh, it's the rabbi. He, he intimidates all of us. <laughs> he intimidates was established all the time. In, in 1913. The city of Stewart was 1914. We were chartered. In 1913, that community. Now, who did that? Some black men got together, went to Tallahassee, got chartered. So our community started. And those men were motivated. They, they wanted to make a community, and they did everything. They followed the rules. There were, ju- there were many retired judges, attorneys, uh, professional people who lived here on the river, on the water. And uh, they communicated together to make a difference in this community. All right, so what has happened now? So we're at 2020, because we can't say that, because because one thing I could pull from this conversation is saying, well, we we can't just go back to segregation in order to no, help black communities grow. But, so so where where is if if you're saying that because of integration there was a little bit it diluted the amount of black thought, black and black leadership all in one area, which allowed communities to be sort of uh, entrenched in knowledge and generational growth and wealth and all the stuff. So so since that was diluted because people went all over the place, uh, where 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 are we at now? Where's the hope now for you? If we're saying at one point, and this is our context, I'm talking about it here if anyone's listening from like Wichita, Kansas. We see a community here, East Stewart, which at one point was sounded like a bustling community, a bustling black community that had 67 businesses. It was thriving. Uh, and then integration came. And is it safe to say that since integration, the, the, the arrow it has not it has had the same, same growth. Yeah. You got to have the three E's. Education, exposure, and opportunity to do things. If the kids are not educated, they're not exposed to professionals, and then where, in ter- where in turn they see and they get the experience of seeing those people, 
you don't grow. Mm -hmm. So for now, what would be your recommendation? You are a leader in this community. What would be your recommendation for uh, if, if, if those resources are being limited to, let's say, an East Door, where we see the largest, well, at least in this, this immediate radius, uh, largest uh, congregation of, 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 of black Americans, whether it's Caribbean, whether it's African-American. Uh, so this is our context. What would be a step to say, all right, how do we start to build that kind of mentorship or knowledge, that exposure, uh, that education and that opportunity? What, repeat that again. So how do we, what is the next best step, let's say, to help build that education, uh, the, the opportunity and the exposure? We got to start looking at our future, our kids, looking at the potential of, of them. Uh, let me give you an example. A kid is born. A kid is born. We live in a modern world. Technology is moving very, very fast. A kid is born. You give him a, you, you teach him how to eat. He gets a bottle. He learns how to eat. But at, at three months old to two, one years old, what is he looking for now? And I'm, I'm moving fast. But you, the kids see you on this, this technical thing we call a telephone. Mm -hmm. This is called a telephone, but it's more than a telephone. But that kid see you using that. That one-year-old kid will pick up this phone and start playing a game. And I'm very sure each one of you all have experienced that. How does he know how to use this doggone thing? His, his brain, his genes are kicking and moving fast. And he can... He can tell you how to you, and you are an adult with a college education and show you how to go places on this thing that you've never been before. Exposure. He sees it. So now you got to look at that kid. He's tal talented, and, and you got to not just look at him as a kid. You got to look at him as what next for him? What else can he do? So That's how about this? What if... Philip Harvey leads a series of business ownership workshops at the 10th Street Community Center or at the Flagler where where I'm liking this already. Frank the Tank is you know booking yeah. events there yeah. of teaching uh, generational wealth or business ownership to young and hungry entrepreneurs. Yeah. Building for for let's say high schoolers. Yes, I'm doing that. We've uh, I was met I have a wife. She's passed away now. We had a program called her. Building Bridges to You. Okay. And that's where I go were. So you already got this? Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm five steps behind you. Okay. And we've been trying to expose Dealing with a quarterback kids. here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm on the bench saying <laughs> how I just want to. We have been trying. Uh, she's passed away. But we've been trying to expose people and to your children are the future. And if you don't give them, don't look at them as being bad. If they don't have anything to do, they know how to get into a lot of things. We've had an experience where I know I've been around the rabbi's daughters. Uh, kids, kids can take this phone right here and make a video of anything you want. Can t make a video, sing songs, and all that. But think about it: if they had a computer and they had the equipment, what else could they do? We could. Assign them to do certain projects, and you'll be surprised what they are exposed to. But this is what's happening in major cities and all that. Sure. But you got to invest into your future. 
Well, Philip Harvey, I wish we could continue on where we're, we're, we're near the and end of the show. And that creates generational wealth. So I'm, my, my, my hope is that it sounds like you already have the structures in place, and, and forgive my ignorance for not being aware of even the structures you put in place. So any way that the rabbi and I, that uh, the temple and the church and other churches can be a part and to be a, to, to be a, a resource to help with creating and developing the programs for our youth, it's particularly for teaching generational wealth. I did a little research before we got on the air of just how it doesn't matter if you're white or black. The limited amount that our youth see um, are understanding about how to build generational wealth and, and parents not sitting down and saying, you, this is this is how you set yourself up well for the future, how you make choices today with your job. And I put money away for this, put money away for that. Uh, that needs to be told and, and by the community, particularly if there's communities where there wasn't the opportunity for that. Uh, during during if one one race was limited and even having the opportunity to do that so even more so uh, the, these things need to be taught as a value so Philip thank you so much and thank you so much for the Treasure Coast Black Heritage book that you gave us so if you all want to really learn about the great leaders that have happened in in in, in Treasure in, in the Treasure Coast pick up one of these books where can they pick this up uh, Philip Harvey contact me contact or Philip contact Harvey. you. Now, because you have my cut, and yes. I'll, I'll share. Go to Harvey name. Plaza, visit him. So thank you, Philip. Thank you so much for being on the show. We look to, to maybe see you on the community and, and, and any way that we can assist and be with you and, and how you support and lifting up uh, the future generations here in Stewart. Um, I think it's awesome. So thank you for giving your time and dealing um, with me, a goofball, and with a very serious, focused, smart man, the rabbi. Well, it's because um, you're a third string uh, a third string priest there. Third string, yeah. I'm at least, a, it might be, a, yeah. Yeah, I would say third string. But as we, as we, as as we uh, take this take this moment as we um, and again thank you for your involvement and certainly all that you've done within our community. Uh, we do have a very special program coming on on Sunday for those of our listeners that are, are interested and do have the time. I hope you will join us Sunday at one o'clock on the Roosevelt Bridge. Please meet on the north side of the bridge. Uh, we are going to march in solidarity uh, for the elimination of discrimination. So if you are impacted wow. by racism, if you are impacted by discrimination, uh, certainly for us, uh, we uh, see the ugly, ugly side of anti-Semitism. We are joining together. We are proud that St. Mary's has joined us and St. Joseph's uh, Catholic Church and other many other uh, church organizations to eliminate discrimination. That is one o'clock Sunday at the Roosevelt Bridge. I hope you will join us in solidarity. And finally, for us as a community, we live here, we love here, uh, we play here. Uh, please, let's uh, let's stand united together as we as a community say, not in my backyard. Not much I could say after that. So God bless you all. Come visit the rabbi at the temple. Come visit me over at St. Mary's. Come visit Philip over at Philip Plaza. We will see you next Friday here on A Priest and a Rabbi. Oh, they didn't sound like not in my backyard. Like